It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team I work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And producer Luke, you are behind the boards right now. I am and will be for a little while. For a little while. For the next three weeks, producer Steve is a train guy, and so he's uh, working on the Polar Express out at the Colorado Railroad Museum, making children smile during this uh, Christmas season. Yes, yeah, a noble, noble calling. A noble calling. And Luke, thank you for stepping forward. This is, I'm really excited about this. You know, you and I talked about it when, you, when I was on Reggie's show. We are talking about the Voter's Guide, and you and I said, mm, we need to get together. Well, here we are. There we are. It, it's happening. It's awesome. So great to have you here. Thrilled to have in studio with me, Mike Gibson. And we got connected. I think a listener reached out to me and said, you need to talk to this guy. So it's great to have you here, Mike. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, is this your inaugural? Is this your inaugural time to be on the radio? Uh, no, it's not. It's not. Okay, so you know what you're doing. Um, more or less. Kind of, sort of. So we'll be talking about judiciary in the third and fourth segment of this first hour with you, and uh, I want to hear your story. So that's going to be super interesting. In the second hour, a guy that I met when I uh, I received a champion award from the Colorado Parents Advocacy Network. And it was in at their launch event just recently. And Professor Dr. Uh, Eric Smith, he's with York College in Pennsylvania, uh, talking about rhetoric. And, you know, Luke, we talk all the time about words and language and how important this is. And I thought this will be fascinating to get him on. So he is going to be on in the second hour. Excellent. Look forward to it. So for that, well, several things. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, we look at these issues. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. And it's never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their rights, their property, their freedom, livelihood, opportunity, or lives via force. And force can be a weapon. But it can be policy and unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, the World Economic Forum, their uh, agenda, what they see for us minions and for them, the elites, or 87,000 IRS agents. So something's a good idea. You should not have to use force to implement it, Luke. What do you think about that, young guy? Yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) I value freedom above all things. So I don't like the fact that uh, people want to take it away. I don't either. That's why we do this show is to engage in this battle of ideas. So, because we're going to be talking with about rhetoric, I was trying to think of people that have used rhetoric af- um, effectively. So I went to Cicero, 
and he was a Roman orator, statesman, and writer. He was born in 106 B.C. He died in um, 43 B.C. And he said this, and, and so, Mike, I'm going to and go to you first, and then you, Luke, to see what you think about this. This is Cicero. He said, within the character of the citizen lies the welfare of the nation. Again, I'll give that to you one more time. Within the character of the citizen lies the welfare of the nation. I know that's pretty heavy to throw over to you, Mike. What do you think? Wow. Um, that, was, that would be something I completely agree with. Um, this was one of the um, <clears throat> ideas I was uh, trying to push out there when we talk about the judiciary and uh, the uh, systematic destruction of the family structure. Um, the, the individual citizen and the, the health of the family structure actually correlates to the health of the nation as a whole. Because, you know, in the family structure, the individual learns, um, you know, discipline, integrity, uh, duty, uh, honor to their, to their country and things like that. And if we don't have those kind of people coming up because the family structure is so broken, then that that definitely affects the health of the nation. That's why we, I think many people are waking up. What do you think, Mike, to, to the challenges that we have here in our nation? Do you think so? Waking up, um, yeah, but honestly, this, this isn't anything new. Um, maybe, I think maybe people are, are seeing it more for what it is, but this, this really isn't anything new. Okay. This is going to be fascinating. Okay, Luke, I'm going to throw it over here. Within the character of the citizen lies the welfare of the nation. It's a good one. It's a good one. And it's interesting that so long ago he came up with that because right now you can sort of, you can, we have such a wide breadth of information available to us. You can easily reference just about everything about every country and all of its people. And it's, uh, it's real easy to, to prove true if you just look at, hey, what are the, what are the countries you want to go to to visit and that you see is super high quality? Oh, it's the countries where all the people are pretty decent. Uh, the places you don't want to go are the places where it's not that much. I don't see a border crisis in North Korea or China or Cuba, right? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. A couple of things. I was going through headlines yesterday, and Dwayne Wade, the, is it Dwayne Wayne? Is it Wade, right? Wade, the Dwayne. No, uh, Dwayne. Uh, the Rock. Who's that? Dwayne. Dwayne the Rock Wayne. Johnson. The, J- Dwayne Johnson. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Uh, and um, I guess he grew up in Hawaii. And as a kid, he would go to a 7-Eleven every day before he did a workout, and he would shoplift a Snickers bar. Have you seen this story? Yes, I've seen this story. <laughs> okay. Have you seen this story, Mike? I, I have not. Okay. So apparently, he did this every day. And so he was recently back in... Hawaii, and he went to the 7-Eleven, and he bought all of the Snicker bars there, and I think that he also treated people that were there because he, he felt that this was a a sin that he needed to atone for. I thought this was pretty interesting, oh, Luke. How very sweet. Very sweet. I love stories like that. It's good, good news for a change. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So in, he didn't get busted, apparently, for shoplifting. Apparently, the, the same clerk was there every day and turned her head and didn't notice, but after all these years, I find it so interesting that that after all these years, he, I thought this was such a decent thing to do to go and atone for that. What do you think, Mike? That's a that's a person of integrity. And, yeah. You know, as I said before, that's that's the kind of thing that you don't really um, learn when you grow up and you move out. That's the kind of thing you get taught 
at home from yeah. your parents and I, he he might have had a need to steal those candy bars but when it came down to it he had the integrity to know he did something wrong and to atone for his uh crimes yeah but that to me that's 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 uh a test to his character it is over the long term and as a kid i was thinking about it what if he would have gotten bus well you know, uh, I mean, what he was doing was clearly wrong, shoplifting. And if he would have gotten busted and put into the judicial system, his life might have changed significantly. Mike, yes, no? Well, of course. Um, you know, uh, uh, what a lot of people don't understand here is that the United States as a whole um, imprisons more of its people per capita than any other industrialized country in the world, right? And when we put people in jail and in prison, it's not really the reform that you think you're getting. So if they would have put him in jail, if he would have got caught and put in jail, um, he, his, his life would have taken a whole different path. Yeah. I mean, because do they, do they really, like, reform you and would he really, like, uh, atone for his crimes? Mm-hmm. And they say yes, but, like, realistically, every a lot of people who go to prison will tell you they learn how to become better criminals while they're uh. in prison <laughs> or jail. So... That brings up another question. Mike, I'm going to go to you first. And what we're seeing with the kind of radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party and letting criminals out of jail, out of prison. In fact, I saw a story the other night that in California, they are letting out a number of um, pedophiles out. And that that concerns me. Um, But yet I also believe in second chances. So how would you address that, Mike? Um, as I just stated, because we imprison a lot of people in this country, um, I, I noticed that a lot of uh, uh, DAs across the country are refusing to prosecute, uh, prosecute lower crimes anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, for instance, uh, Governor Polis is mm-hmm. uh, giving a lot of people um, pardons, if you want to call it that, for, like, marijuana crimes now, mm-hmm. so, like, just to let people out. So, like, I, I don't have a problem. I think it's a good thing to, like— let people out of jail for these these lower end crimes and then stop prosecuting these crimes as much but we still have to be a nation of law and order Mm -hmm. obviously so if people do commit crimes especially serious crimes like they do need to uh continue to prosecute those people and i think car theft's a one that that should they're they're trying to lower that down but i think car theft's a pretty big one it is car thefts are, are are pretty big on the radar right now yeah and uh, one other thing, as you mentioned this regarding marijuana crimes, I was on city council uh, from 2012 to 2016, which the whole marijuana thing was coming up. And what I was concerned about is that that we did not treat everyone equally and partially. So a kid that might be able to lawyer up might be able to get off on something where a kid that didn't have the resources to lawyer up would be put into the the um, you know the judicial system, and that concerned me significantly. Luke, what do you think about that? It's definitely concerning, and I feel like a lot of that problem stems from some of the same area uh, as the big re- issue we have with prison. You know, you'd mentioned we incarcerate more people per capita than any developed nation. We're also, you know, one of the worst in terms of the for-profit prison system uh and you know an empty an empty bed is money they're not making so they're incentivized to fill those beds uh and i think you can you can definitely have 
a for-profit prison system, but the incentive for profit needs to be reform, not incarceration. Fascinating. Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. We're going to go to break in a minute. What do you think about that? (laughs) Can can you just repose the question again? (laughs) Well, we we were talking – well, what I said is I've been concerned about Uh, uh, that the judicial system is supposed to be blind. It's not supposed – everybody's supposed to be treated equally under the law. So if a kid can lawyer up and get off, but another kid can't lawyer up and then is put into the system – I have a problem with that. To to Luke, and I don't have a problem with um, uh, for prison or for profit prison systems. But to your point, get the incentives right. I think that's what you were saying, right, Luke? Yeah, I said the big issue right now is our profit incentive is filling the beds. Our profit incentive isn't reform. So you're encouraged to get more people in there and keep them in there as opposed to getting them out. Okay, Mike, okay. want to comment? Okay, and what I think I hear you saying is uh, there's a disparity in the judicial system between Mm -hmm. uh, people who can't afford justice and people who can't afford Mm -hmm. justice. And again, this is not really anything new. Uh, We've known this for decades. So, um, you know, just like the United States imprisons more people than any other industrialized country, in our prisons are more black and brown people than exist in the population. So, like, that speaks to the disparity that you're talking about. So, question, though, do you think black and brown people are committing more crimes or what do you think uh no to this to speak to what you were saying okay they typically can't afford to lawyer up okay like Fascin- other people so okay. the judicial system like is um almost based on how much justice you get is based on your socioeconomic status if you look at the numbers Okay, so the other thing, though, I do have to mention, and that is, uh, it's supposed to be impartial. What do we think, and I'll leave this hanging out there, about Hunter Biden getting off and the FBI uh, raiding Trump's home? So (laughs) we'll we'll have a conversation about that. So before we go to break, we got Luke behind the boards. Mike Gibson is in studio. And one of the sponsors of both the shows, the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories, is Hooters Restaurants. And it is a really interesting story. It was when I was on city council, 2012 to 2016. I saw that city councils were starting to use their power to decide who they liked and who they didn't. And I thought that was not the right thing for city councils to be doing. And that is how we ended up becoming uh, business colleagues with Hooters Restaurants is because it's a story about freedom and free, free markets and capitalism. And they have uh, great specials Monday through Friday for lunch and for happy hour. Uh, let's see, the uh, World Cup, the next game, that's on well, Saturday morning. You're not going to go <laughs> to Hooters Restaurants. I think it's at like 7 a.m. On, on Saturday morning. But a great place to watch the games. And, uh, again, for more information, you can go to my website, KimMunson.com. We'll be right back. Luke's behind the boards. Mike Gibson is in studio. Stay tuned. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. 
No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at KimMunson.com as well. Fleetwood Mac, Christine McVie passed on yesterday. All right, you're too young for Fleetwood Mac, aren't you, Luke? Uh, for some of the older stuff, I'm a bit too young. But uh, I'm familiar with some of the newer. Yeah. Newer? They have newer? Slightly. <laughs> newer. Okay. How about you, Mike Gibson? Uh, were you a Fleetwood Mac? You probably are too young for that, too. Huh? I, I am. I've heard I heard that she passed away, but I don't really know Fleetwood Mac's music. Uh, it was before my time. You know, if Steve was here, I, I'm going to date myself, so I'm not even going to say anything about that. But, Luke, good for you. I, I texted you in the evening last night. I thought, oh, he's a young guy. He's still up. I said, let's see if we can do some Christine McVie uh, or some Fleetwood Mac uh, bumper music. And there you go. You're pretty awesome. You know, I try my best. I know. I know. Okay. Wanted to look at this. This is from the Epic Times. Can believe this. The FDA is trying to rewrite COVID history on prohibiting ivermectin. And this is from Dr. Scott Atlas. Uh, Boyd and Gray and Associates filed a lawsuit in June on behalf of three doctors who alleged that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration illegally interfered with their doctor-patient relationships, resulting in harm. They also claimed that the FDA broke the law when the agency issued statements prohibiting the use of ivermectin to treat COVID-19. In response to the lawsuit, lawyers for the FDA claimed that its guidance for people to stop taping, taking ivermectin for COVID-19 was informal and just a recommendation. As such, they weren't mandating against it. We got to talk to Matt Dark about that, huh? Oh, Matt Dark is definitely the guy to talk to about that <laughs> one. He, he probably has all the facts and figures. Yeah, Matt Dark with uh, Roots Medical. They're a great sponsor of the show. He also has his own show now, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, and you're producing that as well, right? Luke? Yeah, I produce. I think at the station, I produce the highest volume of live shows per week. And you just added to that. I did. It's <laughs> okay. This one's fun. I'll do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Mike Gibson, um, any thoughts about this? We haven't really talked about COVID or ivermectin or anything like that. Honestly, um, that's outside of my expertise. That's not got, in your wheelhouse. You're gonna, you're gonna deflect. I'm, I'm all about the the judiciary <laughs> and the laws and the courts. Uh, <laughs> medical stuff. Uh, sorry, not gonna go there. Okay. Next thing, uh, somebody said to me yesterday that I was a good dot connector, and I'm like. Some of these things are like as plain to me as the side of a barn. But I realize that that may not be the case because people are busy. So I have talked to two different people recently that said that their electric bills, their energy bills, have doubled. 
And I'm thinking, well, the reason is, is because we have terrible public policy down at the state house and the governor's mansion. I know that. I think it's because we do this all the time, but I'm not sure people are connecting the dots. And so this is from the Post Independent that Patty found. And it said the Denver skyline is, well, I don't believe this, is shrouded in pollution as it fills the air in 2019. The state of Colorado at the time issued an action day for residents of the seven-county Denver-Boulder metropolitan area because of that pollution. Very seldom do we have inversions where we see pollution here, Luke. But a request before Colorado's oil and gas regulators for new rulemaking aimed at reining in broader climate impacts from the industry would amount to a de facto ban on further energy development in the state, Garfield County officials say. County commissioners last week joined other oil and gas producing counties in offering comments on a petition filed by the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission in August by several environmental groups led by New Mexico-based Wild Earth Guardians. And it says this petition should be um, rejected outright. And the commissioners are correct. Uh, We have done many great things to clean up our air. But what we're seeing here is now that they are trying to use these regulations to to price people out of uh, heat, lights, all that. And all the while, Luke, trying to push people into electric cars would put even more pressure on the electric grid. This doesn't make sense to me, young guy. Can can I call you young guy? Yeah, Luke? is that okay? Yeah, I'm young. Yeah, what do you think? I'm young. Oh, gosh, I think uh, what I'm seeing a lot in the energy stuff because I, no one wants smog, no one wants pollution, right? No one wants to deal with a dirty environment. Um, but I feel like a lot of the big stuff we're seeing is people unwilling to sit down and do the work. They don't want to create comprehensive, you know, guidelines and uh, and, and figure stuff out. Uh, you know, from the foundation up, they want to say, oh, we'll ban this and use this instead because it's easy. It's less working hours. But but it's not honest either, because when they talk about clean energy from wind and solar, they don't take into account what it takes to um, to mine the, the minerals that go into batteries and, and uh, the solar panels and the fact that uh, that the um, wind turbines are not recyclable. They're not honest about it. And we need to have honest conversations about this. There's give and take. And we have improved the air quality here in Colorado significantly. There may be days where we have inversions. So the fact that they would pick out this picture in 2019 when typically the air is pretty darn good and then they want to use that to constrict, uh, I call it reliable, efficient, abundant and affordable energy, that's a problem. Right, Luke? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a problem. I think you, we need to – it's hard to have an honest conversation when there are interested in parties kind of everywhere. You know, you have to follow the money. If the money wants follow one money. thing, uh, the money will get that one thing. So uh, hard to find the truth in all that. Well, and I have renamed – I've explained that the greed energy movement is about a different kind of green, and it's the one that PBIs are putting in the pockets – there you go. There you go. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> okay. One other thing. We've been talking about interest rates significantly. And the Fed, because of inflation, which is government-induced by this Biden administration. So it's an induced by public policy. And then they're using public policy to slow it down. Well, they're doing a good job. Uh, this is from Fox Business. Private payroll job growth slowed sharply in November. Evidence that the historically hot labor market is finally starting to cool off. 
and companies added in America just 127,000 jobs. So if you want to um, put the country into recession and if you want to uh, really affect people's lives in a negative way, they're doing a pretty darn good job, Luke. Yeah, I, I feel like people talk about recession a lot. We're, we're in a by-definition recession already. Oh, absolutely. Already. Uh, people keep saying, oh, we're, go- we're heading towards recession. It's like, no, let, I mean, let's call a dog a dog, right? It's two quarters of down. We're in a recession. Let's stop beating around that bush. Yep. Uh, true that. And then one other thing. Yesterday, I went out to the Save Colorado Project. It was a, It's a group of concerned citizens that are really calling for a change in the Colorado Republican Party. And uh, when we look at what has happened regarding the elections, um, the GOP here in, in Colorado, they got spanked big time. And it's because uh, I think that they're not adhering. And when we talk about conservatives, what this means to me is conserving this idea that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. When you overtax people, when you overregulate people, when you don't treat people equally under the law, we've got a problem. And these these things that I are these you know principles are worth conserving. So I, I went out, uh, I went over to the event, and congratulations to the organizers on this. It was a very good event. I do think that that we need to coalesce again around the mission and messaging. But with that. Uh, it is evident to me that there is significant manipul- manipulation going on in Colorado regarding our elections. And one of them is is we're sending mail-in ballots all over the state. We have three weeks for voting. We have ballot drop boxes on many different corners where how do you monitor that? Uh, we have um, legal harvesting here. And these things are all quote-unquote legal, but they're not right. And they manipulate the elections, and we need to get to a point where we make sure that we have free, fair, honest, and transparent elections. And with that, Carrie Lake has not conceded down in, Mar- uh, down in Arizona yet because of what happened in, Mar- in Maricopa County. And uh, I hope that we're able to finally shed light on this. And I'll talk to people, and they'll say, oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, we have all these extra ballots going around, but it probably didn't really change the election. We don't know. We need to find out. Uh, Mike, any comments? Are, are we in your arena yet? No, I, I can make a, a, a comment on this. Um, the, the Republican Party did get spanked in, uh-huh. here in Colorado. And from what I can see and what I can tell, um, I don't know if this is in a disagreement with what you're saying or not, but uh, the voters were kind of tired of seeing, hearing the same rhetoric about the election was stolen is, is what I was getting. And, of course, the... Um, the the majority of voters um the republicans that were focusing in on the roe versus Wade decision uh-huh. versus what the democrats wanted is why the democrats did so well they they ran with that campaign ad of we'll protect your your uh right to uh choose versus what republicans were saying and i mean i'm not an expert in this area but like that's that's what i get as far as how um republicans lost so badly and democrats did so well Okay, we'll talk about that some more. Okay, good for okay, Luke. Any comments? I, I agree. I think Republicans' messaging is, is ultimately pretty poor. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you just look at the language being used in the arguments, the Democrat position is we will protect X. 
the Republicans' position is we will stop, we will deny, we will remove. Why? And that's it's inherently bad messaging. Whether the whether you believe the core uh, agreement, uh, you know, the core argument okay. or not. That is super interesting. Uh, let's see, how are we on time? Why don't we, uh, we, we need to go to break, but uh, you know, the show comes to you because I have a lot of fantastic uh, sponsors. So we're going to go to break here in just a second. Mike Gibson is in studio. I want to talk about this messaging thing, and then we'll get over to why you're really here, Mike. <laughs> okay. And before we go to break, I wanted to talk with Karen Levine. Uh, you know her. She's an award-winning realtor with REMAX Alliance. Phone number is 303-877-7516. Karen, I can't believe that we are in December now. It's just really hard to believe. Um, but people are, are going to be starting to look at next year. So what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I was thinking about here we are, the beginning of December, and people are making plans for the holidays, but they're also thinking ahead to 2023. And what's that look to them? And maybe a housing change is on their radar. Maybe they're thinking they um, are ready for that bigger house, their family is growing, or um, they become empty nesters, and they're ready maybe for um, a different type of housing. Um, As they get to thinking about these things, I want them to know I'm a resource for them to have and start that conversation. And it's never too early to start that conversation. We can just talk about their goals, what it is they're trying to achieve, how we can maximize those opportunities based on the changing market. And we certainly have seen the market changing over 2022. It certainly has been (laughs) wild with uh, the change in interest rates. People still have significant appreciation in their homes uh, because those lower interest rates had created that that um, appreciation. Uh, so, But there's always opportunity, and you and, and Lauren Levy with um, Polygon Financial Group uh, regarding mortgages, you can really help people with these potential opportunities. But preparation is so important. It is, and sometimes they're like, oh, we really don't want to do anything for maybe six, nine months. But If I have you on my radar and I'm watching the market, I have the ability to let you know that, hey, there's an opportunity that might reveal itself at this point in time. If that's good for you, maybe you can act on it or maybe we want to hold off a little bit. So planning is always a good thing and getting prepared now versus later is certainly recommended. Well, most definitely. So Karen Levine, uh, and you can help people on new bills, selling a house, buying a home. Uh, what's the best way for people to reach you? The best way to reach me is 303-877-7516. Karen Levine, you are such a valued partner of both the shows and uh, a valued friend. Uh, and I know that having you on uh, somebody's side of the table uh, is really important. And so, hi- again, I highly recommend reaching out to Karen Levine at 303-877-7516. Karen, we will talk to you next week. That sounds great. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national 
national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I'm excited to have Mike Gibson in studio. And Mike, we're, we're going to get to your story here. And, and Somebody connected us. I, I can't quite remember how we got connected. Do you? Yeah, it was, um, uh, I won't say their name, but the, the organization was the Equal Justice Foundation. Okay. And and you and I were connected through them. Uh, okay. For the t- topic of the judiciary in general, because elections were just happening. Um, and retaining judges is something that people don't really know a whole lot about the judges that they're voting to retain or not retain right okay so that's how we got connected and here we are on other subjects but uh, luke and mike you both we were talking about republicans democrats the gop got spanked big time here in colorado and you said messaging and mike i think i heard you say that democrats said hey we're going to protect we're going to take you know protect this where it comes across as Republicans are coming against that they're against something, correct? Would, would you, is that correct? That, that was my, that's how I saw it. That was my opinion, yes. Okay, messaging. So when I was on city council, they wanted to have consensus. And I thought that in America that we had debate, that we would come to, we would talk about ideas and we would come to decisions but they like to basically kind of behind closed doors come to a consensus and then we all had to agree out there and i i call me naive i didn't think that was the way it was supposed to be i felt that government has certain proper roles and is supposed to stay within those guardrails and if they don't then we're going to have a debate about it so i would sometimes vote no on things and i was at an event reporter for the local newspaper that leaned to the left but she, but she and I had a good relationship because I always was honest with her she was honest with me she came up to me and she said Kim we're going to be doing a uh, a story on why you always vote no and I'd like to have your comments on it well by that time I'd realized that hey don't imme- immediately talk to a reporter I said you know let me think about it I'll put it in an email so that I know, well, I didn't say this, I'll said I'll put it in an email and I'll get it to you the next morning. The reason is, is so that I would know exactly what I said. Because when it comes out in the paper, I want to make sure that it, it right, you know, right. is correct. And I said, actually, my votes, and never affirm a negative. It's like, I don't always vote no. Then you're affirming the negative. I said, 
my votes are, first of all, I vote yes when I'm within, it's in the context of the proper role of government, of what we're supposed to be doing. But I also, my votes uh, are also for my neighbors. And when it's not the proper role of government, my vote will reflect what is best for my neighbors, my neighbor that gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go run his business or whatever. Those votes, I also, those are votes for my neighbors. So I never affirmed that it was a no vote. I said it's a yes vote for my neighbors. Luke, what do you think about that? Hmm. I think I think there's a, it's a good way to turn that because, uh, uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. It's it's creative. It's a good <laughs> good way to go about saying that without, you know. I don't vote no all the time. Yeah, no, I don't do it. What do you mean? Yeah, I think it's good. I think I'm not good. a racist. I'm not a, you know, never affirm a negative. Mike, what do you think about that? Uh, a yes vote for my neighbor, huh? Yeah. Um, a, yes, no, a yes vote would mean that keeping government in the proper context means that my neighbor has the freedom to go out and go after their hopes and dreams. Okay, I would agree when you put it like that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I should have clarified more. So, yeah. Okay, let's get over here. Mike Gibson, I am fascinated to hear your story. So uh, we got connected through, again, the, the organization is... The Equal Justice Foundation. Okay, so tell us your story. Okay, um, what we're talking about, how, we, how this whole thing got started is because we were just voting on judges. And um, a couple of very significant things have happened in the last few months regarding judges one of them is judicial discipline and this came about because of uh, a firestorm that the supreme court is going through right now here in colorado or nationally it, it, the colorado supreme court okay and then another one was um uh family court is a is a disaster and the supreme court has recognized that so how i got started in this whole thing uh, let me let me say i am not an attorney okay not an attorney at all but i've been uh, litigating my own matter in family court, civil court, and federal court for the last seven years. So I am almost. You a have the experience. Matter. Yes, I do. <laughs> I have quite a bit of experience. Okay. And my whole thing got started in family court uh, for the typical reason people go to family court. I'm, I'm a veteran. I came back from uh, my third combat de- uh, deployment in Afghanistan. I was injured, and my wife was having an affair. And okay. of course, that, it's a problem. That well, that, that's 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 so common. It's not even really an issue anymore. I want to say now. I'm not sure you know that I have this other show, America's Veteran Stories, and so we maybe need to do a show on that as well. But I've learned, um, I've interviewed over 200 World War II veterans. That combat, nobody can understand combat except another combat veteran. This is very true. Uh, you, 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 I couldn't talk to anybody about any of that unless you've been there or you've seen that and done that. Like, you wouldn't you wouldn't get it. So thank you for my freedom. You're very welcome. Okay. So continue. So the whole, that whole thing. Uh, so there's a child involved as well, yes? Yeah, there's children involved. Okay. And that whole thing got thrown into family courts. And I, as I just said, family court is a disaster. So I'm going to tie these all together here in, in a minute. But um I had to represent myself because I couldn't afford an attorney. I wasn't working because I was recovering from my injuries. Okay. So I couldn't afford an attorney. Did you get any help from uh, Veterans Affairs or anything in, in, during this? No. Family court is one of those things where it's, it's not even news anymore. So, like, people are reluctant to get involved with the family, uh, the court, or, or attorney's fees or anything like that. Like, you're pretty much on your own. You can apply for pro bono uh, uh, assistance. But What'd you get what you pay for? <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. So, okay. Like the majority of people in family court, 75% in Colorado, to be ex- to be 
quite exact. Um, I had to represent myself because I didn't have the money to uh, go in there and, and, and argue that case. So um, how, you tie, how we tie this in with judicial discipline is that we have the laws in place. We have the superior court precedents in place. But the, the family courts are a circus because the judges themselves have to recognize and apply those laws. And they don't. And that's what makes family court random. It depends on really how the judge w uh, felt when they woke up that morning. So this is why they're talking about judicial discipline and judges, you know, um, being held accountable for not following the law. So I went through family court and they systematically stripped me of everything that I own in about a three year period. And <laughs> with, uh, we're looking with, at Luke. Can we say that word on, on the air? Yeah, I guess we're okay. I, I got into a, a disagreement with the magistrate because okay. he wasn't following the rules, and I, you know, I, I told him you're not following the rules. And, um, and if there's egos involved with judges, yeah, that so could be a problem. It was a big ego battle, and um, he took everything away from me. And it took me. Uh, I had to. I had to take this case to the Supreme Court. Okay, of Colorado. so there's a decision that was made. And so then you had to appeal. Is that what happened? Well, yeah, yeah. He did everything he wasn't supposed to do, and I, I sat there and looked at the rules. I looked at the laws, of superior court precedents, and I'm telling this judge, as a pro se litigant, mm -hmm. uh, sir, you can't do that. Now, how do you think that worked? I bet that didn't. Well, <laughs> didn't go over very well. It, it didn't go over very well. So, so you appealed. I had to appeal to the Supreme Court because one of the one of the one of the tactics that judges like to play, and this just goes into judicial discipline that they were talking about, is the judges don't like to follow the rules and they like to guide the cases the way they want them to go. So he did not issue an order that was signed and written and dated. And you cannot appeal an oral ruling. So for three years, he deprived me of my rights and I couldn't appeal it. So that's why I had to go to Supreme Court Okay. It's it's I know it's, it's it's kind of a lot. So once the Supreme Court stepped in, then they have to agree to take the case, right? They 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 do have to agree to take the case. Uh, there's there's a couple of different things you can do for Supreme Court: a direct appeal, or you can ask for a, a rule to show cause. So I, I filed a rule to show cause. Okay. And that's just directly from the court to the Supreme Court. They uh they said that the the Court of Appeals had to decide that matter, but then and only then did that judge issue a ruling that I could appeal. Now, once I sent it to the Court of Appeals three years later, they did reverse it and say, hey, you can't do that. My question, do you feel that the judiciary, uh, and of course your experiences in Colorado, is it a, a small group of people? I mean, do they all kind of all know each other? Do they protect each other? Or what, What's your experience on that? This, this is uh, something that they were they were um, the um, this is something they were talking about when the, they took public comments at the 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 state building in downtown. Um, one of the lawyers was arguing judges have this atmosphere or this kind of culture where uh, if you tell on me, I'll tell on you. So it's kind of like a you know like the police used to have this this blue wall or this blue shield and they mm -hmm. used to take care of each other. That's that's coming down now. Okay, the, this is definitely happening with the judiciary. So judges know 
if other judges are doing wrong. And they're supposed to report that type of thing, but they're not reporting that type of thing. And there will not be any consequences for them not doing that type of thing. So that's why all of this stuff is in the front lines now. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I think we'll go to break on that. Before we do that, though, as, uh, as many of you know, a nonprofit that I dearly love is the USMC Memorial Foundation. They're raising money to uh, remodel the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. Uh, and uh, Paula Sarles, she's a Vietnam veteran, a Gold Star wife. Uh, it is on her heart to, to get this remodeled, and we can help by contributing at USMC Memorial Foundation. Or uh, you can actually buy a brick to honor your loved one's military service uh, or your military service, but it's a great a great gift. You'll get a certificate uh, stating that uh, that this will be on the walkways uh, when they get to construction time, and it's a wonderful gift. I got to, I got that from my father to honor his military service. And to get more information about that, you can go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. We'll be right back with Mike Gibson. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. The ability to protect and defend yourself is your right. Having the knowledge and skills to protect yourself the correct and safe way is essential. At Franktown Firearms, they will equip you with both the tools and the skills. The team at Franktown wants you to learn how to build your confidence and improve your skills with the help of their trained experts. They will take the time to make sure you choose the right gun for you and teach you the necessary skills to carry it safely and securely. This holiday season, consider giving your loved one a firearm training course at Franktown Firearms. They offer one-on-one training or group classes, depending on your comfort level and skill. You will find they are fully stocked with guns and ammunition at or below MSRP. You can be assured that you are providing a gift that will truly keep on giving and let your loved ones exercise their freedoms and rights safely and confidently. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown today to give the gift of freedom. That's klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. And uh, bumper music is Fleetwood Mac this first hour. Christine McVie passed on. Thank you, Luke, for arranging that. Mike Gibson, this is a fascinating story 
uh, regarding your experience in family court. Uh, and you uh, didn't have the money for an attorney, so you became your own attorney, and you were successful. But um, and we'll get to judicial review in just a little bit. But go ahead and tell us the kind of the rest of the story here for you. Well, as I said, um, it took about three years to get that uh, matter to the court of appeals. They reversed, and then uh, for four more years, we fought on another matter in family court. So this is not really a new story. I think everybody just knows family court is is interesting. It's a it's, it's funny because you can even watch America's favorite judge, Judge Judy. Mm-hmm. You, you can get on Internet or rather on YouTube and watch her tearing the family court apart, indicating that the family court judges are incompetent was her words. Okay. So it's not really a story. Um, it's not really anything new what I'm saying. So I'm trying to tie this into what the Supreme Court is doing now. Okay. And what they're doing now is like probably since 2016, they've noticed that your average person in, in a family court is a pro se litigant. And because you're pro se And litigant, pro se means you're representing yourself, Representing correct? yourself. And because you're pro se, judges have the tendency to not follow the laws, right? Okay. They, I think everybody knows at this point, if you go into court and you don't have an attorney, you're going to get screwed over, <laughs> right? And that ties into the whole judicial discipline thing, right? If, if you're a, a, a litigant in court, the judge shouldn't care whether you have an attorney or you don't have an attorney because if you have an attorney and they follow the law, then you're paying for justice, right? Mm-hmm. If you go in by yourself and you argue the law and they don't follow the law, okay, I mean, that's okay. where we get the disparity in justice. Okay. Well, and what what triggered us getting together on this conversation was the question regarding judicial or, or the the judicial or the judges on the on the ballot. So because. I can't tell you how many people reached out. Kim, what do we do on that? And it's like, I didn't have the bandwidth or the understanding on how to research that, Mike. So every um, every couple of years when these judges are up for re-election. Um, the, or retention, I guess. Re, yeah, retention, if you want to call it. The, 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 the Colorado Judicial, there's a Colorado uh, panel for judicial performance, right? They right. go and evaluate these judges and... You know they, and I've had several friends on some of these different panels. Okay, so my my experience in the last seven years about these judges is that these it's fairly easy. Actually, the bar is pretty low to become a judge. I that and I that pains me to say that the bar is pretty low, and the bar is even lower to stay a judge. Even though the Colorado taxpayers are paying a lot of money for these judicial reviews, um, so performance reviews, the performance reviews are what. You know, when you get uh, the blue book, the blue book. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. want to call it that. Yeah. When, you, when you get your little uh, ballot that says retain or not retain, right, this right, is what right. the public's supposed to look at is whether or not they make a decision to retain or not retain as judge. But the, the judicial reviews are basically rubber stamps um, based on what we've uncovered with the Equal Justice Foundation. Uh, they go out and they supposedly watch the judges. Uh, do a couple of cases. They read some of their um, opinions, and then you know they give you a, a very generic retain or don't retain. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it sounds like it's pretty in depth, but it's really not because if you have like a hundred and twenty judges that are all up for retention in a year, just common sense and by the numbers, if you have zero that they don't vote to retain, 
uh, that that kind of seems like um, that's not realistic, right? You got to have some judges that are like below the standards, and the public should be notified about them and vote them off the bench. But that doesn't happen. So let me just tell you, in the last 10, 15 years that they've been doing these judicial performance reviews and then letting the public decide for themselves, in the last uh, two cycles, it's been uh, more interesting because four different judges have been voted off the bench. Really? You know, four. Only four. Only I didn't know four. there were any. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the common uh, perception. Not any, but four have been voted off the bench. And in the last maybe eight years, they voted one person off the bench. But that number is way too low. That's incredibly low but for how, the But how do we know then, Mike? We're, we're getting uh, low on time. How would people know? How how can we help people? Because that's what I did on my voter's guide. I, I looked at the issues that were on the ballot and looked at them in depth and then made recommendations on it. But how how can we find out about this? The, this is the whole point. It's like You can't really find out about what's going on with these judges because of the the issue of judicial discipline is so shrouded in secrecy, okay? And that's one of the issues that Governor Polis is trying to decide now, like how to open up that to open that up to the public. And then, of course, you have to go do a lot of research on your own about these specific judges. I know that's not really a good answer, but uh, the the answer, the recommendations given by the Colorado Commission on Judicial Performance is really just a rubber stamp for all these guys to stick around. Unless the judge does something really, really bad. Right. And then what I found out is if they're going to get a bad review, many times they'll retire. Yes, that's true. They'll they'll do that before they actually um, exactly get uh, the opportunity to get bounced off the bench. Uh, for instance, Natalie Chase from the Arapahoe County was facing um, criticism for like making racist comments to her uh, her uh, staff, and they were going to come down on her instead of her like accepting any responsibility, any punishment. She just abruptly resigned. Uh-huh. Probably has a pension. I would know, but I would, I would guess yes. <laughs> okay, so we we have about two minutes. Luke, anything you want to say? I know this has been fascinating for you. It has. It has. Uh, I think we need more accountability across anyone in a position of power, right? If uh, they are ultimately supposed to be public servants, uh, but they're acting like oligarchs, right? It's we need we need more stuff like this. Uh, I guess the only uh, other question I have because. Uh, you only have a little bit of time. Where can people reach you, find you, help you with your cause, uh, anything like that? Uh, as I said, I, um, I'm representative of the Equal Justice Foundation. You can just type in that website and go look at uh, everything that they're doing on there. They do a more in-depth, or rather a more not uh, commonsensical evaluation on judges um, that takes out all the, the rhetoric that the taxpayers are paying for. It's not really um, productive. Um, so if you want to go, like, see how judges really should be voted, um, go to the EqualJusticeFoundation.org. Okay. And uh, ultimately, after seven years, things have worked out for you? Yes. It took seven years. Uh, it was honestly, the, I would tell people, I don't have PTSD from Afghanistan, okay? I have PTSD from the courts, okay? <laughs> oh it's, I'm it's not laughing. Bad, but I'm, yeah, a, um, I'm not laughing. But this was one of the whole things. Um the Supreme Court has recognized that that needs to change because 75% of the people in family court are self-represented. The Supreme Court wants to give them more of an opportunity to get justice. So okay. that's occurring right now. 
And uh, I think that's a very American thing to do, to, well, to we'll, take your fight and do that. Yeah, we'll see what they do. I, okay. There's no answer yet, but we'll see. Okay. Well, thanks for reaching out. It's really been a treat to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. And uh, I went to Cicero for our for our quote for the, well, I guess, what, we have a little bit more time? Like a minute and a half, two minutes. minute and a half, two minutes. Okay. Well, then, uh, on timing, I, Mike, I want to say... Um, you know, as I, I think about this and people that and I know I've heard many other stories regarding fathers and men in courts and, and it's been a, a difficult thing. And, and the, the courts seem to be skewed somewhat against men. Yes, um, I would agree I, just by the numbers and just by my observation. If you go into court and you're a dad, <laughs> you're, you're going to get yeah. you're not going to get justice so much unless yeah. you can pay for it. But this was important to you as a dad to go through this. Yes. Yes, because I see Man, especially veterans, get screwed over like this whole time. Okay. Mike Gibson, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Our quote for the end of the show is from Cicero. He said, Though liberty is established by law, we must be vigilant. For liberty to enslave us is always present under the very liberty. Our Constitution speaks of the general welfare of the people. Under that phrase, all sorts of excesses can be employed by lusting tyrants to make us bondsmen. So, my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to hour number two of the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team I work with. That is producer Steve, producer Luke, uh, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at uh, Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Thursday to you, producer Luke. Happy Thursday to you as well. Almost the weekend. I, I tell you what, the days go by way too quickly. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. And uh, hey, we need to let people know, uh, you have stepped in. Uh, Producer Steve's doing something really fun. He's a train guy. And for the month of December, out at the Colorado Railroad Museum, they're running the Polar Express. And it's something that he's wanted to be involved in. And so he's taking the month of December off. You've stepped in. Love this. I'm very excited about it uh, to produce the show. However, you already had some vacation on your schedule as well. So we're going to do something very special next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh... Well, my uh, I went to L.A. previously. Girlfriend's coming over here, so I'm going to show her around some of the small-town Colorado life. And you have uh, some Americans' veteran stories, right? Yes. So what we have done, and uh, Steve got these all organized before he went on on his break, 
we are going next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, we have reworked some of our America's Veterans stories. And it is five World War II veterans. And then the sixth interview is with my cousins. who uh, And we're going to uh, broadcast that on the 7th, which is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And my family, we had a cousin that was uh, killed at Pearl Harbor. And uh, the Navy just recently, within the last few years, had gone through a program where they actually actually identified his remains. And this last Memorial Day, they brought him home. And he was buried in Mound City, Missouri. And I'm one of 24 grandkids. And so a whole bunch of my cousins and other cousins were there to bring him home. And I thought it would be fun to, to have that uh, broadcast of my cousins talking about it because two of my cousins and my brother were very involved in with the Navy on bringing Wilbur Newton home. And, and I thought that'd be appropriate for uh, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. So that's what we've done. So next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, they'll be pre-recorded, but they're very special America's Veterans Story shows, Luke. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, I mean, how long has it been since, you know, his time of death to when they brought the remains home? I mean... Well, 19, he died 1941. Wow. That's, that's incredible. It, it's truly incredible. It really, it really is. And it's a remarkable story. So that is what, what is going to happen next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, just because of all of the scheduling. But we think it'll be very special for you. Uh, I can't wait. Our featured guest, first of all, I thought that um, really uh, interesting, and I have a number of text messages that have come in regarding Mike Gibson's uh, story and uh, family court and representing himself and a, a combat veteran and, uh, you know, come home to surprises and, and all. <laughs> and uh, it's a fascinating story. And um, so second hour, though, again, I can't wait to get to our featured guest this hour. And it is... Uh, Dr. Eric Smith, I met him through the Colorado Parents uh, Advocacy Network at their launch event. He was one of the panelists uh, to talk about rhetoric because language is so important. First hour, we were talking about messaging uh, because there was this uh, Save Colorado project that is coming out of the grassroots here in Colorado. And uh, messaging is so important. Rhetoric is so important. We have acquiesced on that, the battle of language. And that is why we do this show, Luke, is to help our listeners get their brains around these issues so that we can engage in this battle of ideas of narratives and rhetoric. Yeah. I mean, language is the most important thing. I mean, how else do you communicate ideas if not through actions language? Absolutely. Uh, and I feel like there's been a big failure uh, on the Republican side to use the right language to get our points across. Uh, and it's been it's been really hurting. Uh, most definitely. And uh, because of that, well, a variety of things. First of, not, uh, first of all, not understanding principles. And I think the word conservative has been demonized. Maybe I need to wait to talk to Eric about this. But the word conservative has been demonized. Uh, and saying that conservatives are those radical activists, Christians that want to tell you how to live your life and what you need to do. Guess what? After we've gone through COVID, the veil's off on who really wants to tell you how to live your life. Right, Luke? Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, even just even just those two words you just used. It's think of the, the language, the actual language used between the word conservative and progressive, mm -hmm. uh, especially when conservative becomes this idea of conserving 
old bad ideas and progressive is progressing into new better ideas. I mean, the language even there is important. And but what actually happens is conserve now conserve water, conserve variety of things. That's a good thing when you're saying conserve old, you know, those old white guys ideas. Well, actually, what were those ideas? Those ideas are that all men are created equal. Why? Because we're created in the image of God with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's actually a new idea. Progressivism goes back to elites and minions. And that's what we see is happening with the those that have taken over this Democrat Party is elites, minions. But we also have seen it on the Republican side. That's why there was this this uh, meeting yesterday on Save Colorado Project is there's been elites on the Republican side as well that look at the grassroots as minions. And so the minions, the grassroots, everyday people are saying, wait a minute, we're Americans and we want to conserve that idea. How's that? You like that? I like it. I like it. Okay, there we go. Hey, let's go to our quote for today. You know what? I don't think that I mentioned the website, KimMunson.com. You can sign up for our weekly email newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We truly are an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And uh, because we're going to be talking with uh, Dr. Eric Smith regarding rhetoric, I was looking for those that have been effective in rhetoric, and Cicero came up. And he said this, within the character of the citizen lies the welfare of the nation. And uh, I think that's for sure. And uh, so one headline I want to get to before we go to break is um, Disney. First of all, Disney, apparently their share price is off 40%. People aren't liking what Disney's trying to sell. And I got to think that Walt Disney is probably turning over in his grave as they are looking at at, uh, the, the variety of social air quote, progressive agendas that there are out there. And one of them recently was an animated film featuring a teen homosexual romance. It says the film fell far short of expectations at the box office, bringing in under $20 million in tickets sold in the first five days. It's called Strange World. It's the latest product from the company. And uh, it's not been shy about its commitment to progressive ideology and parents, people are waking up and they're saying, you know what, and I, I am a, a live and let live person, I think. And, and that's the thing about Christianity is, is Christ. Now, I know religion likes to push ideas on people, but the freedom of Christ is, is you can decide whether or not, you know, what, what you want to do with, with the, uh, that whole thing. But. This pushing of this ideology of things that are not nature's law, uh, people are saying, you know, I don't think I want to buy that. And so Disney has been this iconic brand, and it is very tarnished, uh, Luke. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I'm famous saying, go woke, go broke. Mm-hmm. It's And people say it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's happening. So with that, uh, yesterday I actually watched 1959 it was either 1957 or 1959 
Disney movie, Sleeping Beauty. Did you ever see that film? I did. Yes, I watched all the old Disney movies. Oh, I, I love them. And there's a prince. There's a handsome prince, a beautiful princess. There's a great, you know, there's the evil one. I mean, it's, it's, they're such great stories. But I don't think I quite remember exactly what it was, but the, the three little fairy godmothers or whatever uh, were going to give the handsome prince some tools to fight the, you know, the evil one. And so there was a sword and a shield. And one of them, I think, was the shield of virtue, maybe, and the other was the sword of truth. And that's what they armed him with to go fight evil. And I thought, what a great message. Yeah, simple and effective. And man, it's you'd think watching that, it's like, oh, how could they ever mess this up? Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. So that voice you hear is producer Luke. He is stepping in for the month of December, which is, I'm very excited about that. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we will be talking with uh, Dr. Eric Smith. He is a professor at York College in Pennsylvania. Rhetoric is one of his uh, expertise, and I thought it would be fascinating to talk with him about rhetoric in America today. We'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned Remax realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure to check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I am thrilled to have on the line with me Dr. Eric Smith. He is a professor at York College of Pennsylvania. And I met him recently. He was a panelist at the launch event for the uh, Colorado Parents Advocacy Network and uh, talking about rhetoric. And that's really where the battle, that's where the battle always is, the battle of ideas. And um, we have this battle of ideas that's raging in America today. And I thought it would be fascinating to have this conversation with Dr. Smith. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Rhetoric. What is it exactly, Dr. Smith? Well, the uh, basic and traditional definition of rhetoric comes from Aristotle, and he said that rhetoric is the ability to find in any given situation the available means of persuasion. And so what that means is, you know, uh, 
some things are available to you rhetorically and some things aren't. Uh, for example, uh, if you want to talk about uh, how fun your frat boy days were in college, you're going to say it differently to your parents than you are to your best friend, <laughs> than you are to your uh, partner or something like that, right? right? Certain things are available to you and certain things are not. So discerning what's what is basically the fundamental part of rhetoric. Eric, in the first hour, we were talking a little bit about messaging. Uh, and uh, the Colorado GOP in this last election uh, just got totally spanked. And uh, we were talking about messaging. And uh, our guest, Mike Gibson, said that the Democrats came across as, as standing for something, standing for choice, where the, the GOP comes across as standing against something. And so we so we had did a little exercise that, that I had mentioned when I was on city council about many times no votes are really yes votes for freedom, is ultimately what I was trying to say. But, boy, um, the Republicans have a terrible time in messaging, uh, Dr. Smith. Uh well, it would seem that way. <laughs> um, I, I think I think what they're 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 losing an opportunity uh, if it is if they do have a problem with messaging, um, they're losing an opportunity to speak to uh, diverse audiences, uh, especially since I think a lot of people of color um, see certain things going on on the left and don't approve. You know, they're very religious families uh, in in uh, black communities, um, very traditional families when it comes to. Uh, you know, the role of um, family members and things like that. There's a lot in common that they're missing, I think. But that being said, I think the uh, the left is also against certain things uh, and not necessarily for things. If you really look deeply into it, what they're against is, you know, uh, classical liberal values like individuality and free speech and equality before the law and private property, all these things that are fundamental to the American experiment. So um, they seem to be against things, too. So uh, I, I don't want to lose sight of that. So, but rhetoric is, and I, I think there's been just a war on language. We talked about the word conservative versus progressive. The word conservative, I, I think, has been painted as people that are judgmental and want to tell you how to live your lives. But after going through COVID, we realized that, uh, actually, it's been those on the far left that have wanted to control people and tell them how to live their lives. But that battle of rhetoric has been very effective. And I, I feel like we need to reclaim some of these important words and maybe define them for what they really are, Dr. Smith. Well, yes, um, there are certain uh, critical theories. I'm thinking of Ontario uh, Gramsci and people from what's called the Frankfurt School um, and, and, and what they did was say, well, we can't change things economically. These are Marxists. Um, that's harder to do. What we can do is change the culture into the kind of uh, environment that would cultivate people who would want to change things economically. So in order to change the culture, you have to change the language. So diversity, equity, and inclusion don't mean what they used to mean. Anti-racism doesn't mean what it should mean, what it sounds like it means, right? It, it, it's actually a new form of racism, right? Um, but if you take words that people are already familiar with and that people already see as positive and you keep using them, but in your mind you've already changed the definition into something uh, that they have no clue about, then that's how you start to change people, through that kind of rhetorical deception. 
Okay, well, then I'm going to toss out a couple of words. Uh, the first, well, and one's a symbol, and the first is the symbol of the rainbow. And in the Bible, the symbol of the rainbow is God's covenant that he would not destroy the earth via a flood. And that's the biblical story. That symbol is now being used for the whole LGBTQ movement. And so I find that interesting how that's been, I think, in a way co-opted. What's your thoughts about that, Dr. Smith? Well, uh, I have two thoughts about it. Uh, One, it does lend itself semantically, right, to um, uh, their uh, case because various different colors uh, is analogous to various different, um, you know, uh, sexual preferences or or whatever, various different lifestyles and things like that. So it does work on that level. But again, they're taking this symbol that people already know and love and using it for their purposes. And rhetorical theory is called an ideograph. Like everybody looks at a rainbow and sees something positive, right? But that doesn't mean they see the same thing. They can agree that it's positive, but it may be positive for different reasons. Uh, justice, the term justice is the same way. Um, people think it's positive, but one person's justice is fairness before the law. Another person's justice is revenge, right? Oh. And those two things can bump heads, right? But they both agree that justice is good. That's the language trick. That is, that's fascinating. Okay, next thing is marriage. And this is a, a big a big term right now because what we're seeing at um, <clears throat> in Congress regarding this, this marriage law. And I've always, first of all, again, I'm a live and let live girl. Um, it's not my business what, you know, what other people <clears throat> do. <clears throat> However, the co-opting of the word marriage, marriage to me is this definition of a man and a woman coming together in this union marriage. Um, so if two people of the same sex are in a relationship, I feel that they they should have that relationship, but it's it's a different name. It, it, but the, the term marriage has been co-opted. And what I see happening with this potential legislation on the federal level is that ultimately – uh, and and we saw it out here in Colorado is that if you do not affirm this new definition of this word, then that you will possibly lose your business through penalties or a variety of things. And so, this has been a, a very interesting word and and the the whole experience on this, uh, Doctor Smith. Your thoughts? Uh, well, it, it sounds like you're describing not so much a moral issue, but with a conceptual issue. You know, um, they can have rights that are uh, affiliated with marriage, but they shouldn't call it marriage. Is that correct? Well, that's what I think. And and I can understand. And again, this kind of goes to Marxists. We look at the Social Security um, a, a program that we have in America, which has really become a Ponzi scheme. But if people were married, then if one of the um, people in the marriage passed on, then the benefits for Social Security went to the next the, their their uh, their spouse, and so mm-hmm. two people in the same sex re- uh, relationship, if one of them passed on, then their a partner would not receive those benefits. So in a way, I feel it, the, and it's very Marxist to not for people not to be able to take the fruits of their labor and to pass them on to who they want to. But I felt yeah. that Social Security, I mean, and, and, I, and you know, the, the program has all these different problems with it, but that didn't seem fair to me. 
Uh, and uh, so that is, I think, one of the things that, with the redefinition of marriage, was so that one one person in same-sex uh, relationship could get what they had had earned over to the other person, and that seemed like that made sense to me, Eric. But yeah. redefining the word didn't seem the way to go, and so it got co-opted. Help me. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I guess um, I don't know. To to be uh, honest with you, I, I didn't really have that much of a problem um, with the whole thing. Um, I'm. I mean, if people want to use a different word. Then so be it. I mean, that's 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 fine with me, uh, as long as the you know the the rights are still there. And right. Like I said before, um, you know, equality, uh, private property, which means that you can do with your money what you want to do. You can right. pass it on to whomever you want to pass it on to. As long as those things are there, then the the labeling is secondary. But the co-option you're talking about is all about the labeling, right? Uh, you take a term that people know and love, and you use it slightly differently, and they won't catch on that you're using it differently um, until it's too late. Um, I don't know. Um, I've never thought about marriage in that context, but I guess it could go for any concept. Interesting. So, uh, Dr. Smith, in looking at your resume on um, the website for York College, uh, I noticed that you had written a piece regarding Barack Obama back in 2013. And he was very effective in using rhetoric and persuasion, correct? Yes. Yes, he was. So, and um, in your studies, tell us about that. Well, um, I'm sure you remember the Jeremiah Wright uh, incident. Right. Uh, that, that prompted his uh, speech on race, a more perfect union. Um, what Jeremiah Wright provided him was what's called Iros, which is the opportune time, place, um, subject matter, and all other things that are about rhetorical context. So if Obama would have made that speech without the Jeremiah Wright incident, it probably would have been seen as him, you know, you know, dragging race into the situation again, right? Um, just unprompted, oh, here we go, we're going to talk about race. But once Jeremiah Wright came, the onus was on him to respond to that, and then that was his kairos to talk about race. You see what I'm saying? Okay, now refresh so, my memory. Jeremiah Wright, wasn't he a pastor? And um, yes. Okay, so refresh our memory because I, I kind of remember uh, it, yeah. but I, I'm not remembering the details. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Jeremiah Wright um, had a um, sermon in which he uh, um, basically degraded uh, the United States of America um, for his uh, racial past and, you know, for him a racial present. Okay. And um, he said, uh, you know, very harsh words about the United States of America. And, okay, so here we have a presidential candidate who goes to this person's church on a regular basis, and this is what he says. So Obama had to explain himself. And in that explanation came his opportunity to talk about race. That is a rhetorically savvy move. Okay. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. Hey, Dr. Smith, we're going to go to break. I'm talking with Dr. Eric Smith. He's an expert on rhetoric, which is um, so important. And uh, so we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Stay tuned. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. 
Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. What you feed your skin matters. Botanical Rush is clean, professional skincare that only uses pure ingredients to restore and protect the skin. Your skin absorbs the products you put on it, so when you're using something every day, you better know what the ingredients are. Botanical Rush professional formulas are not just pure and potent, they are affordable. With regular use, these beautiful botanical formulas support collagen production, skin's precious moisture barrier, and reduce hyperpigmentation. Myra Mesco, the founder of Botanical Rush, holds every Every ingredient accountable to meet or exceed her high standards. Botanical Rush is non-toxic skincare, free of chemicals, estrogen mimickers, or artificial fragrances that hinder the skin's radiance. Discuss your skincare needs with Myra and set up a consultation at klzradio.com beauty or email info at botanicalrush.com and use the exclusive Kim Monson discount code KIM15 for your first order for a 15% discount at checkout. That's botanicalrush.com code KIM15. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And on the line with me is Dr. Eric Smith. He is a professor at York College in Pennsylvania. I met him. Uh, he was a panelist uh, for the launch event for the Colorado Parents Advocacy Network. And uh, Dr. Smith, how did you get connected with Lori and the team over there at um, uh, uh, Colorado Parents Advocacy Network? Uh, well, it's, it's as simple as Googling me and, and seeing what I'm about. What I, what I am about is uh, what I talked about earlier, trying to salvage um, you know, values like individuality, equality, uh, free speech, private property, and, and, and things like that. And um, I am known for not really uh, pulling punches when it comes to you know, the inefficacy, and I'm using that word to be as nice as possible of uh, a lot of um, critical social justice activism and, 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 and education, as a matter of fact. Um, so, I mean, anybody who, you know, searches me for a couple of minutes will realize that I'm somebody who's all about um, salvaging proper education. 
And you're doing this at the university level. And when we met, I said, now you are tenured, right? And you said, yes, you are, because this is somewhat contrarian in higher ed, correct, Dr. Smith? Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. I I am persona non grata in my field, for sure. Uh, which is, I, I, I love the courage to do this. So let's talk a, a bit about rhetoric and the LGBTQ uh, plus agenda, because that was one of the, the things that had been a uh, uh, one of the subjects on the panel. What, what's your thoughts on that, Dr. Smith? Well, well um, I don't really focus on the LGBTQ side of things. I'm more about the um, race and ethnicity uh, side of things, okay. um, you know. Obviously, I'm aware of the LGBTQ thing, but I, I haven't, I haven't done a deep enough dive to really have anything to say. Okay, then let's talk about the the, the CRT thing that we're seeing, uh, actually yeah. being pushed pushed down into uh, elementary school as well. Uh, <clears throat> yes, um, and the thing about the CRT argument is that quote unquote it's not in schools. Um, as subject matter, it's not in schools. As pedagogy, which is the philosophy and methodology of education, it's very much in schools. It's derived from critical theory in general, which is derived from Marxist thought. It's basically cultural Marxism applied to education. Uh, So what does that mean? So there is a particular narrative that focuses on oppressor and oppressed, and everything has to fit in to this narrative. And everything associated with the oppressor has to be, um, at, at the very least questioned, at the most demonized. And that includes ideas that we thought were, you know, fine, like uh, equality, uh, reason, <laughs> um, you know, the scientific method, uh, free speech, individuality, all the things I've been talking about before. Um, these things are considered inherently bad because they are the foundation on which, you know, um, mainstream American values are are placed, right? Um, So you apply that framework, that mode of looking at the world to education, and now everything is about, you know, um, servicing this narrative. How can we push the oppressor-oppressed narrative in a math class? How can we do it in a history class? How can we do it in an art class? Uh, Vladimir Lenin himself, uh, when talking to the communist youth in the 1920s, said that any kind of education that isn't all about upholding Marxism is immoral, right? It has to be history insofar as it supports Marxism. It has to be um, math insofar insofar as it promotes communism, right? Um, It can't just be math. It can't just be history. We're seeing that happen now. Um, at the at higher ed level, for sure, but now at the K through 12, and that should be concerning. So, Dr. Smith, <clears throat> you're on um, college campus. This has got to be mind blowing for as, as many of these students that are coming into your your class, because many of them have been indoctrinated, and then they're getting to college as well. What what are you seeing from your students? Um, I'm not seeing. I'm seeing a lot of fairness for my students, actually. Um, you know, I'm talking about these things. I'm presenting text uh, from both sides, right, um, letting them make their assessments and having honest conversations about it. I haven't had much um, pushback, um, not here anyway, your college uh, of Pennsylvania. The uh, woke wave seems to have uh, missed us or 
it hasn't arrived. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I've, I've been having very interesting and, you know, robust conversations with my students about these things, and, and they're open for having those conversations. So I'm grateful for that. Oh, that, that's, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm not, it seems like I was doing some research, or I don't know, I can't, I can't say where I saw this exactly. So I'm going to say it, it could be an example on how you could be teaching <clears throat> racism in a math class. And the example that I recall is something maybe from Germany, and it would be, you know, where they were demonizing, excuse me, where they were demonizing Jews and and saying that Jews were, you know, wealthy bankers or whatever. And so the the math equation was like this, um, you know, how many, you know, if, if two plus two is four, uh, and you wanted to get to six or whatever, how many how many more dollars did the Jewish banker have to steal from everybody to get to six or something like that? And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, but that is a subtle way to push this, this narrative into these different classes, correct? Uh, yeah, they have uh, very interesting ways of uh, going about it. There's this math for equity. I don't know if you've heard about that. No. Um, but... Basically, what that is saying is that there are certain aspects of, um, you know, math and logical thinking and things like that that are inherently oppressive because those are things that white people are comfortable with. Um, like, um, well, uh, perfectionism, right? Um, showing your work in a math class, that is a, uh, that's something that was pushed by white colonists. Right. So in order to decolonize, we have to de-emphasize this need to show our work, this need to focus on getting the right answer. These are I'm not exaggerating. This is all a part of the equitable math white paper um, that they put out about a year ago and that um, a lot of Western states are taking seriously, Washington, Oregon and, and California. So, again, um, as Lenin suggested, you're not really teaching math. You're teaching fill-in-the-blank through math. Interesting. You know? um, and in, in this situation, what he was talking about, you know, economics, uh, proletariat, bourgeoisie, and things like that, for us is you're not really teaching math. You're teaching racism or decolonization through math. Math is just a vehicle. And what you're describing here, though, is mediocrity. <clears throat> and I, there's, a, there's a bigotry in mediocrity. And Dr. Smith, I was at a meeting one time, I think it was at a Chamber of Commerce meeting, and there was a, a black woman that was behind, and I think, that, and so this was probably eight years ago, and pushing, talking about uh, race and, and, and variety of things, and there was a black woman that was sitting behind me, and she said, uh, she said she was very frustrated. She had been an excellent student, had gotten scholarships to go to a prestigious university. And when she was on cam uh, cam uh, campus, she almost wanted to say to everybody, I earned being here versus uh, people would look at her just because of her color that she was at this prestigious university. And that really stuck with me. She was so frustrated because she had earned it. And yet, because of we've had this... Uh, kind of race to mediocrity, uh, you know, she felt she had to explain herself. So what's your thoughts on that? Um, well, she had to explain herself because she knows the, you know, uh, narrative um, floating out there that, you know, affirmative action is the main vehicle 
for students of color to get into college. Um, and, well, you can't, I can't say I blame her because, you know, the, the push for affirmative action in the form of quota systems, not the original meaning of affirmative action, uh, by the way, but what quota systems do, especially when they uh, punish uh, other students uh, who have, you know, earned their right to be in this prestigious university, right? Uh, what they do is redefine what it means to be a person of color, especially black, as inept. Mm. Black is going to become synonymous with ineptitude, right? Synonymous with uh, um, intellectual inferiority, right? Mm, and gosh. and all this is the 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 um, anti-Asian aspect of this right. that's going on in the Supreme Court right now. All of that, the denial of students who earn their place there to make room for other students, all that's being done in black people's name. But it's right. not helping black people. Right, exactly. That's my point. This, 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 this awful thing, this, this, this inherently deeply unfair thing is being done for the sake of black people. Now, that's embarrassing. It's infantilizing. And as a black person myself, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to have it. So I'm going to push back every chance I get. Well, we're just about out of time, and I know that you have uh, something at the top of the hour. What's your final thought, Dr. Smith, that you would like to leave with our listeners today regarding this important conversation, messaging, rhetoric? Uh, what would you leave with our listeners? Um, I would leave that a civil society like ours, a democratic, pluralistic civil society, cannot survive if we can't talk. Uh, free speech is imperative. Um, therefore, rhetoric is imperative. Um, if we're going to be able to survive, we have to be able to talk to each other across differences. And as we're seeing lately, that is a skill that is being lost. So I, um, I strongly, strongly urge people to, uh, to look into effective communication because it's imperative. It absolutely is. So, Dr. Eric Smith, fascinating conversation. I greatly appreciate it. And you teach at York College in Pennsylvania. I think parents, if they're considering sending their kids to school, you said that they're not uh, totally woke there at uh, York College. It may be a good place to consider. Yeah, and I'm here, so uh, I'm going <laughs> to back as much as I can. Oh, Dr. Smith, thank you so much. I'm uh, very grateful that our paths have met, and thank you for being a guest today. Thank you. Okay. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'd love to hear from you. We've had all kinds of subjects uh, regarding rhetoric and messaging and uh, the Save Colorado Project yesterday and Mike Gibson and his um, experience with family law and, of course, Dr. Eric Smith regarding rhetoric. So we'd love to hear from you. 303-477-5600. 303-477-5600. And uh, just want to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. They're raising money for the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax in Golden. And my friends, it's so important that we keep these stories alive of, of people that gave their lives or willing to give their lives for our freedom. And uh, we are excited that uh, next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, because of scheduling, we are going to be broadcasting uh, six different America's Veterans Story shows for you. Uh, and so I, I hopefully you will totally enjoy those next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Kim Munson Show. But help the USMC Memorial Foundation by going to USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. We'll be right back.
Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. The ability to protect and defend yourself is your right. Having the knowledge and skills to protect yourself the correct and safe way is essential. At Franktown Firearms, they will equip you with both the tools and the skills. The team at Franktown wants you to learn how to build your confidence and improve your skills with the help of their trained experts. They will take the time to make sure you choose the right gun for you and teach you the necessary skills to carry it safely and securely. This holiday season, consider giving your loved one a firearm training course at Franktown Firearms. They offer one-on-one training or group classes, depending on your comfort level and skill. You will find they are fully stocked with guns and ammunition at or below MSRP. You can be assured that you are providing a gift that will truly keep on giving and let your loved ones exercise their freedoms and rights safely and confidently. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown today to give the gift of freedom. That's klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity. By looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And um, give us a call, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. We have Mark on the line. Mark, what's on your radar? Morning, Kim. Um, thanks for having uh, Dr. Eric Smith on. Um, Fascinating, huh? Great subject. Yeah, it is. Um, made me think of um, our latest uh, Supreme Court. Justice, Justice uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson. Um, I feel sorry for her and her family. Um, she was promoted um, uh, as a as a woman, as a black woman, and those were her primary credentials. And so it seems to me that that she and her family will really never know uh, if, if she had the right stuff. Right, because Joe Biden said he was going to nominate a black woman. He never said anything about credentials, which, as we're talking with Dr. Smith, is uh, it, it, it's um, like a lower expectation. And for people that are working hard and achieving, it's kind of kneecapping them, Mark. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, 
the system has been turned upside down, uh, quotas. Um, and uh, and I'm glad in t- talks in terms of uh, words and definitions, I'm, I'm glad he used the word um, cultural Marxism. I think that's a, a more accurate word than uh, critical race theory uh, and easier to, stand, uh, to understand, you know. Um, I, yeah. Hillsdale, Hillsdale College had an article on that as well, and that's the term they use is cultural Marxism. Which, and he alluded to this, that for the, the Marxist, uh, that is the goal, not to, not to uh, teach our kids how to read and write and do arithmetic, but to use those subjects to push forward this cultural Marxism. And I think I knew that was happening, Mark, but I hadn't connected the dots quite the way he did. Yeah, he was excellent. Excellent. Yeah, the whole system's just, you know, it's anti-American. It's it's anti-American values and principles. Well, the important thing to understand about Marxism is there's the elites and there's the minions. There's everybody else. So when we look at energy policy, uh, increasing the price of how we heat our homes, drive our cars, it affects everyday people. But the elitist that are these politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties uh, that are living off of our tax dollars, that are living off of us, they're not affected by that, Mark. Oh, exactly right. You know, progressives um, are just the opposite. It seems like everything they do and come up with is the opposite of what, what they really say it is. And progressive is not progressive. It's regressive. It's regressing back to... You know, the days of uh, kings and um, royalty and the minions. Absolutely, and that's where those policies are headed. Uh, Any other thoughts, Mark? No, thanks a lot. Okay. Uh, Thanks for having the guest today. Absolutely. And thanks, Mark and Black Forest. Great to have him. Uh, So Dr. Smith said freedom of speech is so important. And I've always been on the side of freedom of speech you may say something i don't like you may say something that offends me but i the freedom to do that is so important now ideally we would be able to persuade we would be able to use rhetoric without making fun of people or trying to hurt people's feelings but even if you say something you know sticks and stones did you ever hear this luke you're you're young kids sticks and stones may you know break my bones but words will never hurt me and but here we have those that are offended or hurt we have this violence kim they're violence yeah okay i'm gonna ask you this hate speech i remember when the uh there was this movement on hate speech that there was going to be laws made against hate speech i felt there was big danger in that kind of those kinds of laws because then you get to who defines hate speech and so i was in a conversation with a a family member uh regarding uh and he's gay uh regarding gay rights and i'm kind of like well and and we actually have the bumper thing if you start to give special rights rights to women or gays or whatever then there's not equal rights they said but yes sometimes gays are attacked i'm like that's not okay. There's laws on the books. It's not okay to attack other people. And so I saw this big danger in hate speech, Luke. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I'm very pro-freedom to, to the highest degree. I think you should How be did able- that happen, young kid in California? How did that happen? 
I don't know. I don't know. Good question. <laughs> Raised by good parents, I that suppose. That must be it. That's must it. be it. But I value freedom above all things, and uh, I think you should be able to say whatever you want. I think the only, I don't want to say restriction, but but reasonable regulation being, you're not allowed to say, I'm going to kill you. You know, no, you're not allowed to threaten violence. You can't say fire in a crowded theater. You can't incite something like that. <clears throat> Right. No. But yeah, I think uh, I think the hate speech. You're exactly right. You can't be well. Who who defines hate speech? Right. Well, next person comes in. Are they going to define it the same way the previous person did? It's a real slippery, slippery slope. It, and and that is the slippery slope that we're headed towards. And that's why this um, bill and uh, going through the Senate and the House of Representatives regarding the the Marriage Act. And this goes back to from what I see is big danger there. And it goes back to this Jack Phillips case here in Colorado years ago regarding Masterpiece Bakery, is that we, we getting to a point now, if you don't affirm some particular language, then government or bureaucracies could then come and say, you can't do your business anymore. And a free market is going to answer the question, if a baker does not want to bake a cake because affirming a gay marriage is against their beliefs. Uh, And I never really thought it was a religious question. I felt it was a property rights question as far as can people come in and force you to do something? And if you don't do that, they can take your property. So I always looked at it more as a property rights question, Luke. Hmm, That's interesting. I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one. The the cake thing is such an interesting debate, too, uh, because you get into that, um, you know, you should be able to, as a private business, determine who you should and shouldn't serve. That being said, if a black person enters this establishment, can you deny them service? Uh, and you deny service to every black person who enters. You never say it, but you deny service to every black person. Is that under the same umbrella? I, you know, and that's interesting you'd bring that up because the Jim Crow laws, those were laws that were put in place in the South by Democrats saying that blacks could not go to certain, you know, like the certain counter or whatever. And out of that, we got the affirmative action. But now here we are when we're talking with Dr. Smith about affirmative action is being actually used to uh, um, say you're inept, which is not what it's supposed to be. So I've always thought that we could answer these important questions via a free market. Uh, and maybe we needed the civil rights laws you know, for a, a short period of time, but none of these laws ever should ha- be there without a sunset. And so ultimately, gay, black, whatever, if a vendor is not going to serve whatever that descriptor is, there's going to be somebody over here that's going to open up a business and say, welcome, and they will be successful. I've always felt the free market could answer that question. Luke, we got 30 seconds. What do you think? I agree. I, I think the free market, I'd, I'd love to have a, a more in-depth conversation about free market politics because I think it's super interesting. Uh, I bet but, we'll do it. Yeah, but I think, you're, <laughs> I think you're on the right track. Okay. Well, very good. Well, we've got so much going on. Producer Luke, this has been a lot of fun. We'll miss Steve, but it's, I'm very excited about what we're going to be doing here in December. Oh, yes. I, I really look forward to it. I'm very thrilled to be uh, being able to do this show with you. It's pretty awesome. And uh, so next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, because Luke also has scheduled some vacation time, we have uh, reworked some of our America's Veterans Story show. It'll be five World War II veterans and their stories, as well as the story of bringing Wilbur Newton home. He was killed 
at Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. So it will be fascinating. I hope you'll join us for that. Our quote for the end of the show is Cicero. He said, though liberty is established by law, we must be vigilant. For liberty to enslave us is always present under that very liberty. Our Constitution speaks of the general welfare of the people. Under that phrase, all sorts of excesses can be employed by lusting tyrants to make us bondsmen. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. You are not alone, my friends. God bless you and God bless America. But tell her.